Welcome to Finding Drishti Podcast. I'm Terry Cohen. Today's episode is a 15-minute seated meditation. Find a comfortable seat and settle in. Yeah, so we, we've been obviously very active on all social media and um, very hungry for information from our school to see what we're supposed to do. I had a great conversation with um, Grant's kindergarten teacher and she was just checking in to see what kind of technology we have at home and making sure if we had Wi-Fi and access to laptops or a tablet or smartphone. Uh, I've had to download uh, Microsoft Teams to my phone. I have no idea how to use that because I haven't been in an office setting in um, five years now. And so I'm going to have to learn some things as well. But we had gotten this post on our school's community page from the principal and he was sharing uh, this little bit. So I thought I would share with you guys and um, I thought this was really nice. So it says, years ago, Anthropologist Margaret Mead was asked by a student what she considered to be the first sign of civilization in a culture. The student expected Mead to talk about fish hooks or clay pots or grinding stones, but no. Mead said that the first sign of civilization in ancient culture was a femur, the thigh bone, that had been broken and then healed. Mead explained that in the animal kingdom, if you break your leg, you die. You cannot run from danger or get to the river for a drink or hunt for food. You are meat for prowling beasts. No animal survives a broken leg long enough for the bone to heal. A broken femur that has healed is evidence that someone has taken time to stay with the one who fell, has bound up the wound, has carried the person to safety, and has tended the person through recovery. Helping someone else through difficulty is where civilization starts, Mead said. We are at our best when we serve others. Be civilized. So I thought that last part of uh, Mead's quote, helping someone else through difficulty is where civilization starts. And I thought, isn't this what we're trying to do right now? Um, I know for me, I, I could have just said, hey, you know, the gym is closed. Um, All my classes have been canceled. Uh, I'm going to have to homeschool my kids anyway. Should I just take the loss of income and try to be like a full-time teacher to my kids? And what I realize is I'm not a good teacher for my kids. But I think I'm a pretty good yoga teacher. And that is where I can be of service and then try to use what I have in my toolkit for how I have taken yoga philosophy and then try to show compassion to my kids. And and I'm going to leave the teaching to my kids' teachers and get all the tech downloaded that they need. But this process of helping someone else through difficulty, this is really where the work of yoga comes in, right? We have to be able to sit with ourselves in our own difficulty, our own uncertainty, our own ick, and figure out how we can then turn that around and share our empathy for somebody else who is also going through something difficult or maybe even going through something more difficult than what we are. Now, my husband and I are very lucky. Joe is still able to 
work from home and uh, he's always had a computer job where you just need to be able to log online and be able to access the servers and um, things are still going to be running. Um, not everybody is so lucky, right? If we have friends and family in our lives who are, you know, contractors and uh, kind of doing the gig thing, oh, there's no safety net for us. There's no safety net, at least in American society. Um, we're kind of left hanging. A lot of people who are in the service industry have been laid off and people who, um, you know, hairdressers and massage therapists and people who provide these services to us that are very hands-on, they aren't able to work right now. So we can use this practice of meditation first as a step to just go inward for our, ourselves and to be able to sit with our own difficulties, our own suffering and try to turn that back around. So um, we're gonna do about a five minute meditation here. So I'm gonna back up from the camera a little bit just so you can get situated and seated. So I just have a little, this is a cushion that I bought from World Market, meant to just be a floor cushion so that when the kids are sitting in the living room or whatnot. So you just want something to lift your seat a little bit. You wanna get your sits bones, uh, down into whatever you're sitting against and your knees are falling a little bit forward. You don't have to be cross-legged. You can be um, one-legged or kneeling, anything that works for you. But we're gonna sit up nice and tall. Go ahead and roll your shoulders back and behind. Relax the hands on top of your legs and close your eyes. Start to drop in to your breath. And what I mean by that is when you feel the inhale start, you're gonna feel that expansion through the sides of the ribs, front of the body, back of the body, down into the diaphragm. And when you exhale, you wanna root all the way down into whatever you're sitting against. And we'll continue that breath, just filling all the way up. Slowing the breath down, kind of just letting your body deflate as the breath escapes. You can keep the belly soft. It doesn't need to be nice and taut. We just want to keep the spine long so that there's plenty of room for movement of the breath. And then maybe you notice when you have your eyes closed, shadow or light coming through your eyelids. Maybe you notice little shapes or squiggles or dots or whatever you were looking at last, there might be kind of a shadow impression behind the eyelids. And maybe you pick one spot. For me, I've got this little glow of light. I've got a lamp facing me, and so I can see a little glow of light there. So I'm gonna pick one little glow spot. And you're gonna just soften the mind here as well. So you're trying to put all of your attention on that one little spot. You're gonna breathe into it. So this exercise can also be done with, say, a candle and you look at the flame. And even if the flame flickers and moves a little bit, you try to keep all of your attention and focus there. And the more that you can soften your mind, then that means it's not an active mind. 
We're trying to slow down all the other thoughts that might be bouncing around the brain. Putting all of your awareness in one place. And then just feeling the breath. Feeling how things rise and fall, expand and contract. And if at any point you start to feel your posture start to slump in, right? If you've been in front of a computer a lot and we have this kind of natural curved and slump, you'll just re-engage through the spine and relax the shoulders again. And then come back to that work of seeing whatever that spot is that you're trying to put your attention on and breathing into that spot. Now over time, we want this breath to be just a little bit longer. I try to aim for somewhere between like six and seven counts to the top of my inhale, six to seven on the way out. You might uh, hear this type of meditation called object meditation if you had a physical object in front of you. I prefer my eyes closed because I am the type to be easily distracted if there's other movement around. I notice something in the corner of my eye that I've been meaning to put away or to address in some fashion. And so for me, eyes closed works best and you can keep a soft gaze if you're working with a physical object. So we're not bright eyed in any point. We are letting those eyelids get heavy, trying to narrow our focus and vision into one spot. And as you sit here and breathe, you might notice other physical sensations in the body. Maybe one part of your body started to tighten up involuntarily, I should say. For me, that's usually um, in like the hip creases. Sometimes my hips like to tense up and I have to just remind them, relax, 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 let go. Maybe here, as you've got your eyes closed and you're putting your intention into that one spot, you might consider, what can I do today? Or how can I change my perspective today to have more compassion for myself and compassion for others? We are globally experiencing suffering similar suffering. And how can we ease the suffering of others? How can we take our own difficulties and relate them to somebody else's? And that might be as simple as offering half a roll of toilet paper to someone. getting in touch with your neighbors, and if somebody needs a stick of butter, is that something that you can share out of your fridge? 
Maybe you've all been stocking those HEB delivery times and you can text each other, hey, new times have opened up. We are all in survival mode at this point. Trying to get our basic needs met. Shelter and food, clean water. But how do we exist as a civilization? How can we help each other through this difficulty? Let's take about three more breaths here. Now gently start to blink your eyes open. Whew. This is something that we're going through, huh? All right. Thank you all for joining me for this morning's meditation. Um, I'm going to do another one Monday morning at 9. If you want to join me for a moving practice, 1030 Central Time today, I'll be doing slow flow. You can Venmo me at Terry-Cohen. Uh, I've also got PayPal set up and all that good stuff. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Finding Drishti Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please tell your family and friends. If you're looking to practice with me live, you can find my online teaching schedule at FindingDrishti.com.